Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. So, Steve, we got an inquiry from a PBSC listener I thought Mm. was a great uh, insight and question. And she said, my husband's been in active recovery since earlier this year. Your podcast has been instrumental in his recovery. And my almost adult children are aware of the porn addiction and, and witnessed and were victims of his controlling, abusive, and angry attitude during his active addiction. Do you have any advice to help him reconnect in a healthy way? Thank you. I think that's, that's a, I mean, that's, we see that so often. Uh, oh, and if yeah. we go back to our own stories, that was a big part of our stories as well. Yes. Right? You create this wreckage, this trail of wreckage in your addiction wake. Right? And now, how do you begin to reconcile? How do you begin to, some would say reconnect. I would say, how do you begin to, to connect for the first time, even? Yeah, these relationships. And there's a very specific set of steps. It's not you can't just rush in and say, I'm reconnecting now. We're going to have a fabulous relationship. Yes, (laughs) it doesn't work that way. And I've seen I've seen guys try to do that over the years. And unfortunately, what it often does is two things. One, it can they can literally go off the cliff's edge back into addiction and they can re-traumatize people at a really severe level. And so let's talk about what, you know, what are the first steps to start to, to reconcile with, with family or others close to us when we've created so much wreckage with our addiction? How do you do it? Yeah, well, what you're saying is, is, is important. And yeah, I, we definitely can both uh, think back on our experiences with that. I think, I think a couple of things to keep in mind. Um, the first one, and we don't even have this on the steps uh, that we're going we're gonna to go through here in just a second, but it really is being able, it's remembering that going into these kinds of situations where there's been, you know, the difference between complex and simple trauma, 
is actually fairly simple, right? It's complex trauma is when someone is re-traumatized, right? Like over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Whereas the other is usually more of a single event. Right. And when you're talking about these family dynamic relationships, as much as we'd all love to think that they were simple trauma, they rarely are, yeah. right? And this sort of stuff built up for most of us. I mean, this is definitely my story. We, during our addictive years, or, when, or even when we weren't even in addiction, but we weren't in a healthy headspace, tried to mend these and failed and committed to being better and then stopped, right? All these different things that have added and complicated the the situation. Oftentimes, you know, by the time you get to this point, family members can be really jaded, right? Yeah, be it wives or kids or... I lost all credibility. Yeah. They just, oh, there's there's Steve just f feeling feeling more guilt. He must have heard something really powerful from his therapist, but he'll he'll be a jackass again in a week. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You, I remember back. You just you see the eyes rolling. You know, response yes. on the face. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, because they've they've heard this song and dance so many times before. So many right? times, and my and, wife's favorite statement over those years was, "Great, talk is cheap. Show me." Yes, exactly, which is what we're going to talk about here in these steps. So yeah, <laughs> so if I was to say step, you know, step number one, if you look at the twelve step program, uh, there are two steps: step eight and nine that are associated with making amends, and they are steps eight and nine out of the twelve. Yeah, notice the order there. Yeah, notice the order there. There's there's a reason for that. We do not start when we're when we're running a good twelve step program, and frankly, in most cases, when you're talking about uh, the therapy process too. Obviously, we do what we can to patch things, and we're we're kind of making small amends along the way. But as far as going back to these relationships that have been traumatized over years in the past, like with kids or people who aren't actively involved in the addiction currently. Right. It's going to be that is something you're going to want to do very contemplatively and you're going to do not want not want to do from a place of well, from several places that everyone should take note of. The first is is if you don't have a good handle on your own shame, if you're not in a place that's shame resilient, don't attempt to do this. No, um, because. No, of, yeah, I was going to say, because when you if you really want to start to make amends. I like to call it you're you're basically giving permission to those around you to open up the floodgates and speak their truth yes. in ways that you've been, you know, avoiding, sidestepping, refusing to hear, you know, running away from. And now you're saying, I'm going to stand toe to toe to you. Give me your best shot. Yes. Well, you better be ready for that. And that's when I say a lot of guys will dive off the cliff back into addiction when they do this prematurely. Sure. Well, or they deep off, we, they'll, they'll jump off the question of more resentment, right. Oh, yeah. Or other pot potential issues. Mm -hmm. um, and, and along with that, having a handle on your own shame, right. Being able to be accountable for in an accurate way. Right. We oftentimes talk about the two extremes of denial and shame, right. These are opposite ends of the accountability spectrum. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to operate, not from a place of either one of those, but being able to recognize Look, here are the parts of the situation that I can't own because most situations take two to tango, but here are the ones that I absolutely need to, right? And need to show up for and be able to talk about and, and be able to share. Um, and those, and you know, both of those things obviously play a huge sway. And, but, but you also have to keep in mind uh, probably the most important one of these is, right? Any codependency in those relationships yeah. still, right? Big. Are there big, are there still toxic communication styles that you need to be aware of? right? Uh, with different family members. Are there other, do we need to, in other words, before we even make the amends, 
or we start to try to repair those, do we need to repair the way we're going to go about repairing them? Right, exactly. Right? It's so true. <laughs> Changing gonna, that up. I'm going to try to make amends in my old style. That yes. It was, was so dysfunctional and, and, and so ineffective. And I'm going to try to repair everything that way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll give a perfect example. I have one side of my family who are definitely more emotionally disconnected than the other, especially the older generations in that family. Mm. And I've watched the siblings. It's fascinating to watch the older siblings who are, you know, parents on that side of the family interact with each other with little things have come up over the years, tips that we kids would hear about, right? They don't do emotional vulnerability very well. No. And they will try to fix some of these things, but oftentimes it's like, Hey man, uh, that wasn't cool. We good. Yeah, yeah, sure. I guess we're good. Okay. Yeah, we, you, we good. He know what that he knows what that means, right? Yeah, we, we good. <laughs> and and if you're gonna really do this, you have to be able to adopt new ways of communicating, get uncomfortable, and be able to say, "Look, if I'm gonna do this, I need to really go through and have a conversation about this, and and be able to get deep, at least on my end, right? I can't control them, but at least on my end, on some level. So that is a big piece as well. And I can and I'll I can share quickly something that happened to me in that regard. Uh, so uh, I have five sons and you can only imagine what it's like five sons being raised by an addict. Mm, yeah. And one of my sons was taking a college course in psychology. And part of the assignment was to talk about his trauma with his, with his dad. Yeah. And I don't remember the circumstances. It was, it was a number of years ago. And for some reason he had asked me to, look at look at the school assignment he had done or some little part of it and anyway through a weird set of events that i think were kind of like divine intervention i ended up reading his assignment mm. where it was no holds barred absolute total raw expression of all the stuff that from his perspective i had done to him wow it was brutal yeah and fortunately i had quite a few years of recovery under my belt. You know, I was, I was a therapist, but I got to tell you, man, that just, that was like just a sledgehammer between the eyes when, he, when I actually read what he, cause it wasn't written for me. It was for the assignment. Yeah. So it was, it was the rawest thing imaginable. Oh man, what an eye opener for me. I mean that I have to, I have to say that changed me to this day that changed me when yeah. I saw from his perspective but I was ready. I was, I wasn't, I was going to say I was ready for it. I wasn't even, I wasn't ready for it after all the, all of the things I'd been through with recovery and being a therapist, that was still brutally hard. Yeah. Imagine, imagine having that experience when you're still relatively new in recovery. Sure. Disaster. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it can totally cause things to implode even more, Oof. right? Yeah. With a lot of these relationships, when we're talking about reconciling, it's again, going back to this complex trauma model, it's important to recognize that there's a lot on the line. Some of these relationships, the, the, uh, the people involved in them, or just because of the dynamics over the years, you may just have one shot left at really changing this, yeah, you know, before- true, right? Before it may become, not that anything is technically irreparable, but people only hang in there for so long. Mm -hmm. And and it, uh, that's a scary thing, but it is something to be aware of. So I, and, and there's something to add here again to these steps that we haven't talked about, but we need to. 
And it was, you know, when I was going through this process, well, it, it does involve step two. So I'll share that first. Step two, after getting in that healthy headspace is, is involve and work with both a therapist and a sponsor for guidance when you're navigating these. Mm-hmm. These relationships are really complex. How you've interacted with them over the years are very complex. Each situation is really individualized. And going back to what I said before, you may just have the one shot. Um, a big part of that and a big part of that for me, and I'm so glad when I was doing my own work that I had people in my life who were able to walk me through what an actual men's is because an actual men's with somebody is different than what we usually think of. An actual men's means letting go of whatever the other person is going to do, right? And how they're going to respond, what yeah. they're going to say, what they're going to whatever. As I went through that process and, and I, more than I realized, even as I was prepared for it, I think I still had back in the part of my brain this idea that that an amends involves at some point me getting quote unquote forgiveness. And it doesn't mean that. No. Right. It means me doing everything on my part that I can to make reparations, recognizing that the other person may just say, that's great. You know, I, uh, you're asking me what you can do to fix this. You can take a long walk off a short cliff. I want nothing to do with you. And I've had that happen. I mean, in my, as I went through this process with, my, my family and my my wife's side of the family, it was excruciating and difficult. And I had both ends of the spectrum, right? I had people who were very loving and accepting and willing to, they, they could see kind of my side and whatever. And there were other people, a few who, because of probably a variety of situations or circumstances going on, uh, said all the wrong things, at least for my ego, right? And said, you know, I, you know, more or less like this, that, that's this means nothing to me and you know there's just a complete rejection of that and you have to be prepared for that right that's we're kind of leading into step three right you've got to be in a solid place and be ready to not have in the back of your mind some sort of quid pro quo when it comes to fixing these things because the answer very well may be thank you for the apology we're still not good we're still not going back to what we had right yeah and you have to be prepared for that rejection yes uh, it's and that's why really important part of this is making sure that you have progressed along your recovery path so that your own self-care is good you, you yourself are in a stable place you have some good sobriety under your belt because you're using your tools and you're plugging into your support system because what we're describing if you're really going to start to go about the amends and reconciliation process it's not for the faint of heart is this, this takes courage. This, yeah. you got to be ready for this and so yeah. getting, getting guidance and help from those who have been there. They've been down this path, you know, a bunch of times themselves and with others. And then, and then having yourself be, have a good solid foundation under your feet when you, mm-hmm. when you're going to, when you're going to attempt this. Yes. Well, and going back to having that therapist and that sponsor, right. I would expand on that. And I would say, especially with some of these situations where there is a real chance for that rejection on a pretty profound level. It's good to be building up and bulking up your own support system with Mm. people who are able to love, are able to connect with you, are able to support you. You know, I mean, I, I, it's kind of one of those plan, uh, prepare for the best or, or hope for the best, prepare for the worst kind of deals. Exactly. Yeah. You have to go into this, like they're all going to go South and recognize that, you know, I, if, if I go through this, I may, some of these relationships may really, you know, not be harmed by the apology, but they, it may shift them in a way that isn't desirable 
And do I have a group of people I can turn to if that happens? Well, because because keep in mind, you know, all, all, the, all the guys that are listening, if you have to realize that the people close to us in our lives, when we're going through addiction, they often walk on eggshells. They don't dare say, they don't dare speak their truth. They don't really dare be brutally honest with us when we're in that state of addiction because they're scared of the consequences, right? We're, we're, we're bears to live with, man. And they're like, ooh, don't say anything to, to dad because he's, he could blow up. So it's safer to just tiptoe around and not really speak your truth to him. Now what happens if you give them permission to start really speaking their truth? Yes. It, when those floodgates open, you have to recognize that they may be expressing things for the first time, and they may not want to have a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. For a time, in my case, I, have, I, I, have a, I had a sister, she passed away a number of years ago, who she would not reconcile under any yeah. circumstances. Yeah. Scorched earth, uh. atomic bomb, done. Ah, so sad. And if I hadn't had a support system to plug into when she was she was very brutal and in in some ways legitimately so, if I didn't have others that I could connect with, if if she if if she was it, right? Okay, my whole recovery, my whole stability, the whole reason for me continuing down this path is fully dependent on how she responds to this attempt to make amends and reconcile. If I had done that and, and the way she responded, then I was, I was history. There was nowhere else for me to go. So you yeah. have to have a support system that's there no matter what, because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I found myself in the same boat. A few of those relationships, I mean, the reality is, is now there were a lot of other things going on as well that, that had made them complex from the get-go. But going through that amends process, it was still the right thing, and I don't regret it. But I think more or less was kind of the last nail on the coffin, so to speak. Yeah. In terms of us having any conversement. Yeah. And again, it was still the right call. It, it what I said needed to be said. What I offered up needed to be offered up, even though I kind of knew I was going into the lion's den a little bit <laughs> by doing it. I just knew I was kind of leading myself out to the firing squad. But in order to work on my and that's guys, maybe that's the thing that you take away from this at the end of the day. Amends in a healthy way are, are if they're done correctly, are the most selfish of, of uh, th- one of the most selfish, healthy, healthily selfish things that we do in recovery because we are doing it exclusively for our own healing with, with them being, with them becoming healed, them responding, them coming back to the relationship in a positive way as a bonus prize. Right. If that happens as part of the result, and that's awesome, but it is very different from what most of us in our culture expect when we go through that with somebody, because again, we kind of operate in the background, in the back of our mind with this, with this idea that this is a quid pro quo, and I'm going to say I'm sorry, and they're going to say they're sorry, and we're going to kind of reconcile and be good, and that may not be the case. It you may, may have not. kids who, who say thank you so much, I really appreciate the policy, the apology we still will never speak to you. That may happen. It might. And, and here's the thing for us from the standpoint of us in recovery. One of, the, one of the great commitments, one of the things, and I know, Steve, for you as well as me, we got to a place where we said, I am so tired <clears throat> of living in lies, deceptions, um, disconnected relationships, uh, 
you know, wearing masks, all the things that we do, we got to where we said, I am going to be authentic. I am going to be absolutely transparent and authentic and raw and real in my life. Mm -hmm. Come what consequences may. But I will not go back to that old way of Mm -hmm. hiding or lying or pretending or tiptoeing around or manipulating people. I'm not going to do any of that anymore. What you see is what you get. I'm going to, I'm going to speak my truth and be honest and whatever happens, happens. Yes. And that's, that's a scary place to start to, to step toward. It is. It is. And you know that we talk often about this community of healing and, and being able to have a place to be heard and where you can be accepted. And, you know, one of the unique things about Dare to Connect, you know, it's been up and running for two weeks now is we've, we've already seen how that's begun for those of you who have, who've joined us over there. Yeah. Uh, and we would invite you to, to take a look at it at daretoconnectnow.com. Um, we, you know, part of the interaction that we have each week, we already have some group regulars who come each week and are interacting with each other are able to ask questions, not just from us, but they're getting feedback from other people there. Um, nobody can really, uh, I shouldn't say nobody, very few people can connect with some of the dynamics that we in this recovery process, both as addicts and spouses face, because there's a lot and they are complicated. Um, and getting a unique perspective on both sides of the coin is a huge, a huge component of that. Um, this would be a great topic, and I, I, I would like Mark and I have to talk about it, but we'd like to maybe have one of our spouses on. We've already done that once on, on that program, and we're going to have maybe go through this a little bit from not just the addict's perspective, but what is this like for a spouse? Because there are a lot of unique dynamics that happen that way, either with their family of origin or with the addict's family. And it's anyway, there's there's a lot involved. So uh, we are, we as always love connecting with you guys. Thank you for letting us into your homes, into your hearts each week. Uh, we honor everybody in, in your journey um, as you move through this process of healing and, and these difficult things. Um, yeah, we care about you and, and uh, have your best interest at heart. We, we always love getting questions like this. So as always, please feel free to uh, submit those at uh, the pbscpodcast.com page. There's a contact form there. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, thank you for being with us today. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Have a great one. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.